Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today is a very, very special episode as we are here live at Money 2020 recording in Amsterdam. And we are joined by Scarlett Sieber, Chief Strategy and Growth Officer, Money 2020. She's a contributor to Forbes and an international speaker and board member. She's recently published a book with Sophie Gibbard called Embedded Finance is going to tell us all about it right now. So lovely to meet you and lovely to have you on an episode. Lovely to meet you. So happy to be here. And I love that you got my pronunciation right the first time because that doesn't happen often. Well, that is great news. And um, I did actually ask a few people to get that right. So I can't take uh, I can't take full credit. So look, tell us about this year's Money 2020 and what's made it so special. Oh, my gosh. Where to begin? I feel so exhausted and tired and exhilarated all in once. I think what's made it so special This is the first cycle, for lack of a better word, that um, I have been here from beginning to end. So I was able to have much more of an impact and a, a direction in how we went about things. And for me, you know, I've been to Money 2020. I still can't count right, but I would say at least eight times. Okay, and. Being on the other side of the table is quite different because being a delegate, you have one experience and there's so many things that I love. But for me, it was always about those special moments. And yes, we're a B2B trade show, but we act as a B2C festival. And so for me and for my team, we talked a lot about experience. And since the last one, we've significantly expanded the team, brought in a lot more fintech experts because we say that we're by the industry for the industry. And I want that to be authentic and it's not that it wasn't but now it's even more so because we should be at the heartbeat of what's happening and then secondly the experience piece plays into my wow factor team our wow factor team whose whole job it is to keep those amazing unmissable moments for people and so what i've loved and what i've watched is you have the typical stages, you have the big stages, the grandiose stages that all have their own themes and feelings, but then it's the experience stages like the Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll Club and the exchange. Stuff like that is what gets my heart beating a bit faster and seeing people's reaction confused, maybe a little angry with you're asking me to put my phone away, but they're feeling something. And by the end, lots of smiles. And that to me feels like a job well done. It's really emotive, isn't it? And I love that you call it like the wow factor team, because having walked around here, it's just it, there are so many different wow factors. And just hearing you explain that, I can I can really feel and see how this has all come together. You've spoken to loads of different people. You've got loads of different opinions. You brought them all together to give lots of different experiences, which I think is truly unique. And it's been great. And like as, as someone that's that's come and joined you, it's been a brilliant couple of days. As chief strategy and growth, officer what would you say are your main aim it's how it's a few things so it's how do we take this brand that so many people adore and make it best in class which it is but how do we keep it best in class so I I certainly am aware of other you know competitors and things like that I don't really think of them as competitors. I learn from what else is happening, but it's about how do we how do we compete with ourselves and make ourselves the best version of, of who we are? And I think even back to some of those experiences, 
it's not about, and I don't, it's not a gimmick, but what I'm saying is it's not a gimmick for a gimmick's sake. It's not like we're having this sex, drugs, rock and roll club with a motorbike hanging from the ceiling and a tattoo parlor. That's, that's novel and people are taking pictures, but that's not what it's about. Like if we're doing that, that actually came from something that came from a conversation with Rachel, who you just met and Nick and Zach and Mark. And we were in a room together and Keisha, and we were in a room together in New York in December. And we were talking about the transition of the industry and how there is this movement from illegal to legal porn, gambling, cannabis, and that vision i.e. wow factor team was part of that conversation and and that came into the sex drugs rock and roll club how do we have a space that reflects that movement and then it was okay well we want to make sure that there's content there but again it's not content for content's sake if we if there was a session on there that was you know will banks perish partnerships with fintechs those conversations surprisingly enough still need to happen because there are portions of our ecosystem that still need to talk about that Mm -hmm. that's not the space where that conversation happens we're talking about making taxes sexy we're talking about the cannabis industry the sexual health industry stuff like that we only had eight sessions on that stage for a reason and similar with the exchange the exchange the idea behind that was and we sat here and we wrap our heads around this so often because there's so much good content but once you get on that big stage, for all good reasons, PR and comms teams are here for a reason. They're here to protect us. But what that means is the conversation ends up getting quite diluted by the time it gets on that stage. So can we create a safe space where we can actually have that conversation? Media is not allowed. Phones are put away and we can just get real and it can be a dialogue. And that's the type of stuff that really matters. But to, only certain content should be on that stage as well. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I've learned that firsthand this morning, being a moderator on that stage and seeing everybody's faces as they were told to put their phones into this little bag that stops the phone from, from being used, from working. And, you know, you're absolutely right. It did allow for the conversation to be much more open, free and candid. And there were things that were said that a couple of the speakers said, oh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't normally say this, Oh, but I can in here. And so, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. But in, and so and that makes me so happy to hear that because you never know how things land but it's also though the other side of that is and that's that's the exact goal you can't force people to do that though but what i can do is make sure that when you're in there you're paying attention Mm. and but what i don't want to be exclusionary so there are some stages where hey i'm running to meet you but i got five minutes i can pop in for some content be on my phone answer emails but still be getting educated Mm. and that's okay too and we have a space for you But there is going to be a space where eyes are on the stage, eyes are on the conversation. And it felt so refreshing to me to be able to sit there and not have people on their laptops and on their phones, but actually engaged. Mm. So, And I felt it too. I've moderated a number of panels um, in my time, and I really did feel that there was this stronger connection to the stage and what people were saying. And every time I looked at the audience, I had every face on me. Normally, you know, you can see that who's in the room and who's not. Every face was up. I could connect with every every pair of eyes which was a really unique experience i love what you said there about creating spaces that appeal to different different people um, a large part of my mission is how we start appealing to people beyond our industry how do we attract
attract more people to this industry. And a large part of this podcast is sort of demystifying fintech. And the fact that, you know, you're talking about sex drugs and rock and roll in the financial services sector, talking about sexy taxes. You know, this is, it's great. It's great that you're doing this because you were really debunking some of the perceptions that, that people have of this industry. So what I wanted to ask you is how can we all support and how can we get involved and how can we help you with your mission? I think it's really, it's first of all, thank you for asking that question. And I have to say, it is very rare that people ask how they can help. <laughs> um, I had a bunch of prep calls with speakers and different parts of the, the group. And I had a, a prep call or just to get to know you with these 20 startups who were on our one of our stages doing pitches. We changed it up again where we said, pitch the problem. I don't want to hear about your startup. Build that intrigue. Make them come find you afterwards because you've so well showed the problem that they want to hear more. But anyways, the point about that was I had a call with all of them. And one of the women asked me, what can we do to help you? And I I was speechless because I'm like, what? No one, no one asked me how they can help me. Um, so how can you help? I think it's about giving feedback about what you loved and what you would like to see differently. I mean, we, there are many different ways that we receive feedback. We scan social like no other. We have these formal surveys that we do every day. Not surprisingly, like anything else in life, typically you only fill things out when you are really unhappy or something was like so next level that you couldn't help but do I that. See. But I think the more feedback that we get, because I don't, I don't believe in. I mean, I have a vision. We have a vision. Tracy Davis, our president, is phenomenal, and and we have ideas of what we want, but we need to keep pulse checking with our industry, and we can't pretend like it's a one size fits all because there are microcosms within that industry. So just give us feedback. Like I said, what worked really well? What do you want to see more of? I think that's the first and, and easiest thing. And then just share our mission. Like, you know, we, what I love about what you just said is the reason why you created this podcast is to make fintech more accessible to others. And that is what we try to do here. You know, we have 43% of the speakers at this show are women and they are experts. It's not, they're not women for women's sakes. They are experts. But that is a lot of work to do. It's so easy to tout that number for people to respond to that, which is the highest number we've had in the Europe show, by the way. But um, our content team, Gina, Emma, all of them collectively, it takes a lot of effort. And I don't particularly believe in us telling that story. I want the industry to tell that story. I don't want to have to tell you that number. I want you to just see it and feel it and talk about that. Because what I hope is... We are not some anomaly. We are obviously not the only show or event in the industry. This should be reflective of what we're seeing everywhere else. And if we insist on it, then others will hopefully do it too. And that's kind of how I think about it. Well, it gives confidence, doesn't it? Because people will look over the parapet and say, well, if, if they can achieve it, why can't we? And I think that's a huge, huge thing that you're doing. You're taking that responsibility for the whole industry. Now, with all of this that you've been doing, we haven't even mentioned one of the biggest achievements of all, publishing this book. So I'm a big fan of Sophie's as well. So tell me and tell us all about this new venture and this book that you published. Yes. So going back to the idea of making fintech accessible. So, oh man, I've had many different careers for lack of a better word. And I have friends from many different facets of my life and family and friends still they see the pictures of me on big stages. They kind of get what they, they get that I'm a hustler. They get, but they don't know what I do. What is fintech? They don't understand that. I think that's part one is a very personal mission to help explain to everyone else what 
I do what this industry is about and how and why I fell in love with it because I was not a fan in the beginning and I had a very different perception of financial services and you know the financial crisis of 2008 and the impact that that had on on a lot of people that I that I know and in, in myself and where I was in my life but then the second part of it was Sophie and I and I'm so glad that you are a fan of hers I'm a huge fan of hers and we spend a lot of time talking about life about family about careers and one day on one of our calls, we had regular catch-up calls. She was like, Scarlett, she, she would never say holy S-H-I-T, but you know, she, she did it in her very French Sophie way. Yeah. I was reading this thing and grab Scarlett, like grabs revenue. 50% was from financial services. And you know, that was more than the restaurant. And I was like, okay, she's like, something's here. I was like, you're so right. Her and I had a conversation with Tui Allen from Shopify. Sophie asked her directly, are you a FinTech? Tui says 100% we're a fintech. We started seeing the data and we're like, there's something here. So it was a combination of those two things that really made us feel like this was the the right thing to write about. And it was a bit of a journey because we have both worked incredibly hard on building our brands while doing other things. And it takes a lot of effort and it's easy to see stuff and not realize the amount of time, energy that takes to get to something. But anyways, the point is we talked to a lot of different publishers and we had a lot of really positive conversations. So I'm not implying that there weren't a lot of really enthusiastic people, but there were a handful publishers and even an agent we chose, obviously, but a different agent who said, you know, you're the right authors, wrong topic, not interesting, too niche. And we said, we want this book to be for everyone. But we almost started going a little too far where they were saying, don't write about the use cases and case studies. Don't write about the regulation because that's for, you know, someone who's not within the space. That's not going to be interesting. We were adamant and we said, we need to tell the whole story. So for people, depending on who you are, or who you're listening, there's one chapter, the right ingredients are now in place. It gets quite technical. It gets quite detailed. But for our world, our audience, that's what they want. It's great to talk theory, but like, let's talk the numbers. Let's talk real life examples of what this is like. And for everyone else, it's the evolution. It's the history. It's, you know, the impact on on the consumer. And so we're trying to, you know, appeal to, to all sides, really. Yeah, so it's about showing the entire story and giving it its relevance as well so that more people can learn and understand. And I I love that and really relate to it. So that kind of takes me to my next question. Looking at the future of fintech, what is next? Where do you think we're going to be going? Where are we going to be going? I mean, embedded finance is still so early. So, of course, I can't not talk about that. It's what I've been been living, sleeping, breathing, all fintech, but that one more so than anything else. I think it is about that. I mean, Matt Harris, someone who I've known a long time and respect so much so, we put him on the front cover of the book, but way before that, you know, there was this, this first evolution of fintech and they were revolutionary because of what they were doing. But were they though? Like a lot of it was, he didn't say this, this is my way of like paraphrasing, but it's kind of like lipstick on a pig where it's like, you know, you take what they were doing was still beneficial, but it didn't have the real impact that it would needs to. So I, I still think what is the future? It's about actually utilizing this crap ton of data that we have in a way that is fundamentally beneficial for people. And that could be as, as simple as you're following my experience from your online store to your physical store and making my life even two seconds easier to all of a sudden I've never been banked before. And now I'm being connected with a brand that I know and respect and I have the relationship with it. And you're giving me what I need at that time and genuinely benefiting me. You see that all of a sudden the direct deposit stopped. What does that mean? Maybe I lost my job. 
proactively reach out to me and give me a short-term loan for six months with no interest. Because you, if you actually care about me, show me. So I think it can go as simple or as complex as you want, but it's utilizing data for good and actually having an impact on people's lives. And I love that you've said that because anyone listening to this, that isn't necessarily coding or getting into the networks. That's user experience. That's something we can all relate to. And that's really, really transferable skills from any other industry. So, and I promise we did not plan that answer at all, did we? I, I just asked that straight. So that takes me to my, my final section of, of the pods. I always, always ask for calls to action. I don't like people listening to pods or going to events and just sitting there and not doing anything afterwards. So when you think about what all the work that you've done for inclusion, all the work you've done for the gender balance here at Money 2020, what would be your call to action to those listening to this podcast? FinTech doesn't have one face and there's many ways to get involved. The only way that it will change is if there are women and people like you who are listening to come and change it up. I did not see myself as a banker. I did not see myself in this world. And it's one now that I cannot see myself without. So I think it's that. And there are so many people here at the show in our industry more broadly who genuinely want to make the world a better place. And it's just having those conversations. So, you know, we have a dedicated program for women, Rise Up, more getting more people involved, and that would be amazing. Obviously, you can help the numbers go up by getting in this space because we can do some great things with you. And my, I feel like my and our responsibility here at Money 2020 specifically, but even me as a woman in this industry, is to help elevate the voice of others. And let's do it. Fi- come find me. Let me help you. Let me help you elevate your voice and tell your story. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking to you on the Women of FinTech podcast series. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. 